Welcome to Storyboard. I'm Lars. I'm Meg. We reappraise overlooked movies and TV and pitch films that need to be made. Button up, buckle down, and strap in. Today we're discussing fashion and style, our past inspirations, our current obsessions, and future quests. Pull up a chair, baby. So here is a good little glimpse into my brain as as a tween teen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also remembered that I kept an outfit journal from about seventh grade till graduation. High school. Of high school? Of high school. All throughout junior high and high school, I kept an outfit journal. I didn't have like a digital camera at that point. So I literally was just like, I might sketch something or whatever. Yeah. But I kept a journal so I wouldn't repeat outfits. So every single school day I would write down what I and I maybe I might plan in advance but it was mostly just like okay I have a bad memory for this stuff and I don't want to repeat outfits because somehow that's really important. So you never repeated outfits? I did repeat them but I would make sure there was like a buffer or like a good like three or four week buffer you know and then and then my so-called friend told all the cool kids that I did this and then everyone made fun of me and I was like but look who's laughing now because now there's like Instagram like outfit of the day and like people are constantly doing that so I don't know. That's what? a terrible like, Vengeance is mine. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. So wow, that's, that's a just... real Mean Girls experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a weird, dorky thing to do. But I, I mean, not that it. weird, though. I feel like kids do all kinds of weird shit. Who the yeah. hell knows? So anyway, um, that's just a glimpse into a my... behind the curtain and look. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, a glimpse into the Hurt Locker. So <laughs> a big old rummage round. So... Fashion, style, movies. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, uh, I guess I wasn't going for any movies that were like, like fashion industry, like no documentary. I mean, which is, you know, fine and very entertaining, but I wasn't going for like things that were like fashion industry movies. I was going for more like style inspiration. Yeah. I started out when you said fashion because I don't think about it as much as you do. I was like, oh, I'll just do something about fashion industry. But actually, that was, like, really hard to do. There's mm-hmm. not that many films that, like, I've seen some, but they're not good. Or, yeah, like, they're not like even, the... like, interesting, like, bad in a fun way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my next thought was, like, oh, I'll do films that have, like, a fashion item or clothing item in the title. But that was also kind of, like, a snooze <laughs> Wait, and a like, bust. Like, like um High heels. Found some treats, but mm-hmm. um, maybe also drew in it's more of like just general style it's not really Mm -hmm. clothes for me like i there's some cool looks but it's like oh the interiors and the fabrics and the mood art direction and the whole vibe yeah Yeah. it's kind of the direction that i went because i've mm -hmm. kind of struggled with it like i Mm -hmm. like i said i went through a couple (laughs) couple couple options i was like well that's a bust and i was just short on time so movies like there are movies that i just didn't finish well that's not gonna work so like the next (laughs) (laughs) i only have so much time in this world yeah totally Um, so i don't know if you went for like a particular look that you wanted to talk Um, about. Well, I accidentally fell into a late 70s, early 80s, as I oft do. Uh, that's kind of my favorite style era for some reason. I did, anyways, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, 
German, French. I, yeah, I, I would love to have expanded, but once I found the three I liked, I was like, okay, these are the ones yeah, I'm going to talk totally. about. So, so these aren't my like all-time favorite top fashion inspiration movies, but these are just the ones that I found along the way, which is what we do here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't think anyone here is ever going to claim that it's yeah. like the ultimate. <laughs> these are, yeah, these are the top three. Definitely not. Um, so the first one I found right away that I... I'm dying over it. It's so good. Um, Subway from 1985. Luc Besson. It's French. So we got Christopher Lambert of Highlander, I think. Oh. <laughs> and P.S. He looks exactly like um, Bronson Pinchot from, what's that called? The the sitcom, like Perfect Strangers. Um, really? I think you would know him. If you, yeah, from First Wives Club. He's like the interior decorator. Oh, It's the okay. weirdest thing. Yeah. As I was watching this movie, I was like, he looks just like Bronson Pinchot. Weird. It's just very, I don't know. So, side note on that. Yeah. So, Christopher Lambert is a charming little scamp. He'll steal your jewels and steal your heart. Uh, <laughs> so that's my tagline for the movie. Um, so, we see him in a big subway station in Paris on the run from authorities after robbing Isabelle Adjani at oh. her ritzy mansion. The majority of the film is set in the subway, as you can imagine, where we see Lambert interact with he'll cast of characters from thieves and musicians to the transit bureaucrats and security guards who try to catch them. The subway folk uh, work their schemes and legitimate businesses in the Paris metro station by day and then live and sleep in, like, hidden rooms and tunnels in the underground by night. So these people are, like, they're not, like, mole people, you know what I mean? But they're just, like, they found these little, like, nicks and crannies mm-hmm, to, like, live mm-hmm. there, you know. Fair enough. They're not rat boys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um... And Lambert uh, fits right in and uh, hides out there uh, while he's waiting for things to cool mm-hmm. off uh, with Isabel. There's a whole flirty, like, cat and mouse tete-a-tete between the two of them. And, like, she's constantly kind of, like, visiting and trying to talk to, like, the bureaucrats there. Like, hey, you need to find her or whatever. And she's got, like, a rich husband. Again, this was, I saw this, like, about a month ago at this point. So I'm kind of, I'm a little <laughs> fuzzy. Hey, don't blame me. I'm a little fuzzy. I'm like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure she's married. Anyway, so we find out that Lambert pretty much robbed her as a sort of, like, <laughs> aggressive way of flirting with her. Oh, Which women love. I, I, I love it. Just, like, have my personal property stolen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he just, like, stole some papers or something, and, like, he was just like, I just wanted to, like, see you again. Kind of, you know, something mm. like that. You know, he met her. Like, he robbed her at this, like, hoity-toity party. Like, when he arrives at the subway first thing, he's, like, wearing a tux. And then, anyways, so I'll get to his style in a second. But, um, so it's a comedy. The stakes are pretty low, so you get to just have fun watching. These, like, underground dudes evade the police. Sometime on, sometimes on roller skates. <laughs> this one guy's, like, wearing roller skates the whole movie. Um, and in the end, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the, a lot of colorful characters. In the end, this group of guys, uh, like, these underground guys, take over this concert this music concert that for some reason's happening at the subway station okay you know how, how that goes so that's a crazy ending um so nothing basan has done post 90s has really appealed to me yeah. visually but uh, damn i i wish he'd stayed on like this track yeah because the cinematography the art direction is dare i say flawless or Whoa. at least like perfectly encapsulated like it's a complete mood yeah and so you would think that, like, the highlight would be Isabel Ajani's, like, spoiled rich lady looks. Because it's, like, the pinnacle of 80s excess. It's, like, giant blazers, giant earrings, yeah. crazy hairdos, furs. And that is great. And that's eye-catching. But I think they really went the extra mile 
by dressing like Lambert and the gang. Uh, just, I don't know, these really interesting outfits. Like, Lambert is wearing an outfit, or different outfits throughout the film that I would fully, like, if a guy wore it today, it would be like, oh, wow, you're a stylish man. Like, it fully yeah. fits in today. It's crazy. Um, and bonus, we get to see a young uh, Jean Renault, famous as, like, the professional, future mm-hmm. uh, uh, Besson project. Um, so we see Jean, a young Jean Renault looking fine, wow. which is great. Like it, because I don't really clock him as no, like a no. sexual being. Really, I, mean, I was like, oh, he's an he's attractive older guy. By the time I've seen like movies with him, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you see him young in this sort of like street punk wear, and these like famous little tiny round glasses he wears in like every movie. Mm-hmm. And he's like a drummer because again, there's like a musical element yeah. to this. There's like a, a band, and. I'm fully, completely obsessed with him now, and I'm completely in love with him. Wow. So, I don't know. It was, it was a, a surprise. Um, so, it is not available on any platforms uh, at the moment, but if you Google it and, I mean, you know, you can, there's a good streaming file on, like, page one of Google if you just type yeah. this in. And um, I've seen this site around. There's, like, a Russian – I think it's, like, a Russian YouTube site called, like, OK dot ru or something <laughs> and so it's like it's like russian youtube i think pretty much but there's like a lot of full movies on there so it's yeah. a new little something something or another i found anyways yeah. i think it's on there um so it's not terribly hard to track down um but definitely worth a watch interesting i've never heard of it which yeah must be one of his earlier yeah so films? 85 so i think it was his second feature length film okay. and after that he did like big blue and and stuff and yeah. you know he's known for like fifth element which i've always seemed a little much for me um i don't know just it's a lot it's a lot, it's it's a lot of like that kind of fisheye yeah. sort of like yeah. terry gilliam sort of i don't oh, totally. like that's a that good kind comparison. of you know what i mean yeah. like i'm not into that but his early few things I've, like i've seen big blue and it's really fun and like in this and yeah so it's yeah it's a i think if we did a year-end wrap-up you know at the end of this year it would definitely be in the top like yeah um oh wow like surprising that was a vintage surprise finds, especially you know. when you think about the director's like later work like you said because i think maybe one of the dumbest movies i've ever seen is his movie with scarjo yeah lucy yeah i know and i was like oh damn the last few things he's done is like that and like the valerian yeah, just whatever like, tough times so early work though definitely yeah. worth a watch i wish he'd stayed on that track yeah so mine um Maybe I mentioned this. Maybe I didn't. Who's to say? Uh, I just picked a movie from 70s, 80s, and 90s and just picked them because I liked the way they looked. Yeah. Well, that's why we're here. (laughs) Just in general. Yeah. Uh, So the first one is The Curlian Witness, which is sometimes known as The Plants Are Watching from 1979. It was directed by Jonathan Sarno. Really didn't direct a lot of other things. It's sort of like a very independently financed film in the 70s but i think it's ready for its comeback all right or first come at, come <laughs> yeah, up for, I don't what know. would it become so now sorry yeah, that sounds come, come now yeah so i don't know if you've heard of or seen that book the secret life of plants that's all about like um plant energies plant communication it's a very oh. 70s pseudoscience kind of book that's like Oh, you can like <laughs> take photographs of plants and their auras will show like oh. certain different emotions right. and it's like very like sure. that that style of yeah. like 70s pseudoscience. Well, so, that again, sounds pretty fun. Of the moment, pseudoscience <laughs> yeah. is like all all oh, up in there. We're that. all about some pseudoscience. But, but this one at least is like less harmful than other kinds. Yeah. So this one is kind of taking that notion like that was very much like in the ether, like the cultural ether mm-hmm. I think of the time. 
uh, and turning it into a thriller. So it might be the first slash only botanical thriller. I'm not sure. There's an Australian horror film. Sorry, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to think what it's called. It's like The Weekend or something where a couple's in the woods and it's, sorry. Anyways, it's so. So so maybe there's a I don't know if that's the right title, but it just, there's an Australian feature, there's thriller like a, that's called, yeah, the, this couple's in the woods and well, nature's like. Also, well, there's a few like sci-fi movies from like later on that are bad that I won't mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, sorry, that just like uh, sprang to mind and I was like, yeah. oh, that's a pretty good one because they're um, camping and nature's like, fuck you. But yes. Oh, tell so me this more. one, um, plants are your friends. Mm. So basically this uh, woman, so it takes place in downtown New York, I think. Maybe it's Soho. Who the hell knows? Somewhere no, that was like in <laughs> 70s and it's being gentrified by art galleries. And that's it's like noted be. by the yeah. voiceover of the protagonist. That you, But you still have these amazing walk-ups, like these lofts with like, mm-hmm. you know, walls of windows. There's like a roof deck and all that stuff. Yes. But it's just like really unstructured kind of like, you know, really rough. You're like, how is there like this beautiful bathroom in this seemingly <laughs> like yeah. just like a big box yeah. <laughs> kind of apartment? But this girl owns a plant shop. And she's really into um, Carolian photography and plant communication. And hmm. she's kind of one of those 70s gals that's like a uh, denim jumper and kind of like tight high-waisted denim and like, you know, embroidered blouses. But she's mostly just cares about her plants, doesn't really care about anybody else. Hmm. And she's murdered. <gasps> oh. And her plants are the witness. And her <laughs> sister, who lives in the same building, is listening to a tape recording that her sister made and figures out that... This whole kind of connects the dots, and it's like, I'm going to try to communicate with the plants. Oh, my God. Basically, that was the main witness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the woman actually kind of goes into this rabbit hole of trying to figure out who murdered her sister by communicating with the plants and doing <laughs> photography of the energies yeah. of the plants. And so there's a couple of suspects that are very close. Yeah. Uh, and there's actually one of them. You're like, is this person a suspect or just the creepiest person yeah, in the yeah. world? Uh, but there's just a lot of great, yeah, high-waisted denim, sort of stripy tops, just like huge collars. Just the bigger, mm, the yeah, better. Very, very normal collars. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like I said, just that great kind of New York downtown oh, vibe. Favorite. Um, and it's definitely a film for the plant lover. I saw, just even seeing the blurb, I don't even know where I read about it. I was like, I have to see this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can't wait. And it's also just, um, I think one of the scenes is shot in one of the early vegetarian restaurants in the 70s there. So it's kind of a, its own oh. artifact of a particular like community and culture of New York at the time. Like an Alice Waters style. Yeah. Kind of like. Totally. Yeah. Farm um, table. And just what people kind of thought about and talked about at the time. So it's a, it's a, honestly a real fun. You definitely yeah. don't know where things are going. Yeah, I mean. And it's got some interesting uh, women characters. I think it would actually make a great double feature with that Argento movie we talked about a while ago, Phenomenon, uh, where yeah, yeah. Uh, Jennifer Connelly communicates with the bees and the bees mm-hmm. help her solve yeah. a crime. Like yeah. maybe like the bees and plants sort of working working in tandem yeah i'm gonna say the birds and the bees but the plants plants and the the bees bees, flora and fauna kind of (laughs) yeah uh, i feel like those would be a good double header um and it definitely it's like maybe that's the only sort of irrational patently irrational thing that i kind of not buy into i definitely don't buy into plant communication (laughs) but i do have certain things with my plants where i like to keep them grouped together and if there's like a mother and a baby plant Mm -hmm. i sort of let them be near each other and i kind of feel like they have their own little 
biomes that they're in. So I know what you mean, yeah. Her, the way, I mean, the sister is probably extreme with that, but I think the, <laughs> her relationship to her plants, I think, would be relatable to a lot of us who take care of little mm-hmm. plant friends and creatures. Yeah. So I know. Sometimes I'll try to have, like, certain plants, like, <laughs> if they're not, like, this sounds weird, like, touching leaves, I'll be like, well, they want to, like, it's like they're holding a hand. Yeah. Like, so if one plant's not doing so well, maybe I'll, like, reposition it, put it next yeah. to, like, another plant that's doing well, and I'll kind of make sure their leaves are touching. <laughs> so maybe that's psycho. But it well, seems like but, it you know, makes sense, right? There's actually, I read, there's actually um, a an ecologist who's at UBC who's doing work and she has a forthcoming book about um, inter like multi-generational plant tree communities Mm -hmm. uh, in sort of the Salish kind of area and how they allocate resources amongst Mm -hmm. themselves and how they actually use fungus and mushrooms to like (gasps) transmit certain nutrients from one to another. Um, And her work is actually very based in her scientific field work but she also talks about that um a lot of people who live in that area like indigenous communities have kind of had oral traditions that point to those kind of relationships for a long time so there's actually some interesting underpinning to that that (laughs) again makes me sound really woo woo but (laughs) there's a little bit of legitimate mm -hmm. yeah like a legitimate scientific um, basis for just the way that i don't know living things communicate and allocate resources it's not that crazy it's not that crazy yeah so um, that's getting far afield from <laughs> fashion, so you can no, kind of see. Well, and that kind of reminds me, um, I was going to mention, or that made me think of, there's an Instagram, um, it kind of ties back to sort of fashion inspiration, mm-hmm. and, you know, Instagram, whatever. There's an Instagram that's called, like, Plants in Seinfeld or Plants of Seinfeld oh, that yeah. I follow, you know, that's fun. And I bought some of their calendars before, <laughs> just kind of random uh, yeah. stills of Seinfeld with the plants in the background. And how I wish, and maybe there is, and I just don't know about it, um, like a Tumblr and Instagram that's like maybe plants of like Columbo. <laughs> I want like the plant design Columbo is very good. So I yeah. just, uh, I would all appreciate. All the interiors. All the, yeah, all the honestly Columbo a full interiors. Yeah. Instagram, whatever, some sort of account of just the full interiors of Columbo uh specifically the plant design um i would i don't know someone just needs to get on that yeah uh, because, just uh, do that work. i don't want to do the work but yeah. i want to appreciate it so it definitely ties into fashion well my next one is women of new york 1977 so de- some late 70s vibes mm-hmm. over here uh by uh famous director reiner Werner fossbender um, mm. I would be yeah i'll get to that <laughs> i would be remiss if i didn't uh mention at least one film by this uh, darling of new German cinema. So I could mention almost any of his 40-plus films, but um, this is just one I came across. Um, so, uh, and I can't remember how many I've seen, but, you know, like yeah. I've seen a dozen, 15 or so. Um, so I, okay, I didn't go into, I didn't know when I started this that this was a remake of one of my favorite sort of childhood, I mean, you know, early uh, films that I loved. Okay, so this could get confusing, so just chronologically. Okay, okay. The Women... Uh, mm-hmm. was a hit play written by, I don't know if it's Claire Booth, uh, like Luce or Lucy or mm-hmm. Luce, but it's L-U-C-E. So mm-hmm. I forgot to look that up. But anyways, <laughs> so it was written by her in 1936, made into a film by George Cukor in 1939. Uh, Fossbender directed a stage version of the play, I believe in Hamburg in 19, in the 1970s at some point. Couldn't find a lot of 
good records about that. So anyway, and then this film version, this is a film version of the play that he directed and it was made for German television. So oh, sorry, I was just like, I don't know yeah. the clearest way to express all of that, that it was a play, that it was a movie and then a play and a movie for German television. So technically this is a TV movie. <laughs> he um, made a number of those, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think like, I, I don't know how to like look into this, but I feel like European television was just so good about like, oh hey, like their television movies are not lifetime movies. Right, you know what I mean? They are, did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's, uh, I'm sure there's probably like, some great uh, book about I don't know I'm the sure. history of that, and I would I would love to look into that because it's very interesting to me. So opposite of, I mean, I guess the in um, America in the 50s there was like craft theater mm-hmm. and some of that like live like live plays on TV, which is amazing to me, um, that I also don't know much about, but that, uh, I guess that was our golden era there. Okay. So the women is a play about gossip and marriage and divorce in high society in New York with an all woman cast. Um, so synopsis really quick is the lead Mary Haynes finds out that her husband is cheating on her with a lowly shop girl at the perfume counter, (laughs) um, of a department store named Crystal. Uh, so Mary eventually confronts her husband and like bluffs that she wants a divorce. She goes to Reno for a quickie divorce, which is six weeks because you have to establish residency. Oh, yeah. It's a whole thing yeah, in this era. Um, so her husband um, immediately marries the other woman. And then after like sulking for a year, Mary uses all the cat- the catty gossipy techniques of her gal pals to expose that the other woman, Crystal, is now cheating on her current husband or whatever. So uh, so Mary can win back her husband, if that makes any sense. Sorry. Yeah. It's just basically a bunch of, like, women that are gossiping and, it's, you the know. proto Real Housewives. Yeah, exactly. So obviously it's terribly antiquated, but it's just, like, a lot of campy fun. Yeah. Um, there's every stereotypical kind of woman. You got the ideal wife, Mary, an innocent newlywed, this, like, one woman that's just constantly pregnant, this countess who has been married just a number of times, always looking for love still. Uh, then the Crystal, the shop girl who marries up. Uh, there's a showgirl and this feminist author who is sort of above it all. And then some, like, several other characters. And then the, I was going to say, the Q-Core film is a li- leans a little bit more into the comedic sense of it, but still, still dramatic. But, um, and then Fassbender leads more into the melodrama, but it's still like a blast. The sets are this static stage sets, um, beautifully decorated, um, and all the women have these gorgeous like 30s inspired gowns and like stunning kind of weird hairdos <laughs> and makeup. You know, they're really extreme. Um, and so it may not be the best entry point if you haven't seen a lot of Fassbender, but it's like a good deep cut if you've watched a few of his other things. You're like, I want more. Um, or if you just happen to be like a big fan of theater or of like yeah, the women, interesting. The, the movie. And so this is where I give the disclaimer that Fassbender has a reputation of physical abuse towards his actresses. He would put, like, a lot of his friends and family in his movies. Yeah. And so his, like, personal secretary was in this film and in a lot of his others. And he was apparently really horrible to her. So, obviously, I don't want to condone that behavior. But it's like you're kind of torn when the cast and crew did such a phenomenal job. And so I don't want that to be erased. So, you know, uh it's a bummer that he's shitty, but um, how shitty was he? I mean, not to be. I know an that's the thing. It's like it's, I, like hard it's hard because he, I. I mean, he wasn't straight. Like, yeah, so, so he was like bisexual, definitely leaning more towards gay. Yeah. So I, I guess maybe there was just like a 
a, you know, a misogyny running. Right, right, I, I don't know how he was with male actors, honestly. Yeah. And and this is, I hate to be like, I mean, it's just physical abuse and emotional right. abuse. But um, so I don't know distinct, like, uh, specific stories. So that's why I don't want to, like, blow it right. out or in a, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't I know the, the same proportionality. Thing, right? It's just, like, this vague sense, but then I'm like, what? I think he was just... He was just a fucking jerk. Well, he also I think. did. I mean, he yeah. had a lot of drugs. Yeah, like yeah. So lot. I think he just had a lot of different problems. So I'm just saying, keep that. In, just yeah, I just totally. feel like I need to say yeah, totally, that. Totally. Um, but again, I he like there were movies or collaborations. It's like the one art form that is the most collaborative. So I hate to just be like, well, this one dude that was kind of the boss was a jerk or or abusive. So the end, and we should like throw these movies in the garbage. I'm like, there's a lot of people that worked really hard and did great work. And so, if you want to see this, um, it is available on the site that I was being very cagey about <laughs> last time. Should I say it? Should I just say it? I don't know. Or should it's, we just you could probably get try it on to keep DVD it from the library? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I kind of like now. I kind of like being mysterious. So just oh, yeah. message us. I got some some nice DMs. Uh, so. Um, yeah, just basically, uh, you know, message us if you want the name of this mysterious site, which I will mention again. <laughs> like, Sorry, now I will. I'm sure I'll I'll mention it next episode. But now yeah. I kind of like being mysterious. Yeah, sure. Um, so, but yeah, it's all that maybe in maybe the library as well. I'm not sure. I just feel like I see a lot of hit like any university with a film program will have a ton of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Film professors, I think, really like him, and yeah. there's just like whole libraries. <laughs> yeah, bursting. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of, okay, no, I don't want to make that connection because she You're actually is fantastic. People. Well, no, it's not, oh. it's not abusive people, but people who have difficult themes in their movies and yeah, not yeah. everyone finds them accessible. Mm-hmm. So my 80s pick is by Lena Mueller, And actually, it's a movie that Lars has mm. had used the title mm. of, I think, for a pitch. Mm-hmm. Maybe? Yeah. I, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Uh, Summer Night. So it's starting yeah. to Summer Night, but Summer Night with Greek profile, almond eyes, and a basil is the yeah. full title. It's great. <laughs> so I mean, the title. I don't know if it's in yeah. the movie. <laughs> no, it is. It's, it's a, well, I enjoy the vibe, mm-hmm. but she is sort of known for investigating class and race and sexual dynamics in a way that some people find uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. She is an avowed feminist and socialist. I think that's important to know going in. When you see a film that may have some things that make you uncomfortable, you have to ask yourself, is the filmmaker showing me this to like challenge me on something mm-hmm. and not necessarily to be like, oh, no big deal. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like a really key thing that... Uh, one has to consider. So mm-hmm. I do think yeah. context is important. I don't think the art can exist in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. So this movie has uh, Maria Angela, Mal- Maria Angela, Malato, who's, this, I mean, she's this blonde bombshell that was in, mm-hmm. I think, a number of her movies and Italian movies, and then uh, Michelle Placido. So those are the two leads. Uh, Milato is this, how do I put this? She is an eco-capitalist. It's very forward-thinking. Ooh. It's a very 80s. It's like it was like the Trumpian 80s and now we're back oh, we're back in God. that zone now. So she is someone who made all of her money doing things like cleaning up oil spills, but she's an avowed capitalist and very classist, but she's also a bad bitch. So it's yeah. a real, you feel really you know. really um really conflicted <laughs> because she decides that she is going to She's tired of, you know, in Italy there was a lot of, and 
throughout Europe and a lot of places in the 70s, there was a lot of what was deemed at the time by authority figures to be sort of terrorist acts yeah. by uh, rebel rousers, leftists, anarchists, those type of groups that had a political agenda. So she decides that her friends have been kidnapped too many times. They've paid too many <laughs> ransoms. And she is going to one of these terrorists. She is going to kidnap him and give him a taste of his own goddamn medicine. Oh, okay. Shit. And so she actually there's just a lot of like winking uh, nods to the sort of social dynamics of the 70s because she actually hires this operative who is, you know, like wink, wink, like works for the CIA and works to kind of repress leftist uh, movements all around the world. She hires him to do this covert ops to capture this particular, quote, terrorist uh, who's played by Placido. And even though he's kind of this rebel and sort of set up as this leftist, He's this brutish, kind of disgusting misogynist. <laughs> yeah. So there's no there's no heroes, but yeah. they all kind of have some aspects that are interesting here. Uh, except for the CIA guy. He just is a monster. Oh. <laughs> just like in real life. Yeah. So she, first of all, trounces around in the most incredible 80s. It's LeMay. You've got these amazing hair wraps, huge earrings, these gorgeous mm. two-piece outfits. Maybe there's like a takeaway piece. It's just Oh, it's like look she, after look. She looks so good. Ugh. We're watching it, and every time she came on this on the screen, I would literally be like, "Oh my <gasps> god, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so good." So she takes this guy, and he is her prisoner on her private island. Sure, sure, why not? This it's, this just consists of this big castle. Um, I'd love to. I need to look up. It seems like maybe it'd be in the Adriatic. I'm not really sure. Hmm. Uh, but she kind of has him as her captive, and it's funny because she doesn't want him to see her face, so he can't retaliate. Because she always plans to release him <laughs> after he's basically paid ba- paid this ransom. Okay. So she has him in this very BDSM looking little getup, <laughs> where his little eyes are like. <laughs> I think I've seen those stills. Okay. Harness. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and she has him. She wants to treat him humanely, so she has him kind of tied up, but in a he can move around, and yeah. that's important because let me tell you, there's a whole softcore scene involving Ooh. them because they have this real back and forth Ooh, chemistry, uh, chemistry, yeah. <laughs> and then it just goes from there. It's it's a it's funny and kind of a wild ride, and there's definitely some uh-oh, some. <laughs> I mean, tough things going on because yeah. it's an 80s movie from Italy, so so yeah. Vibert no. Mueller, who there's a lot of sexual dynamics and violence in her movies, so yeah, just a big old warning on that yeah, whole yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's honestly really fun, and it's hard. Like I, I challenge you to not find the protagonist somewhat charming, even if she's this horrible millionaire capitalist, mm-hmm. because she's a sassy. Sassy broad. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, it. And I just think the looks are amazing. It's just got this sort of excess, this air of 80s mm-hmm. excess. And there's definitely no one in the film that comes off looking like a true hero. So yeah. it's just a fun way to spend some time and see a lady in some sexy outfits and a guy in a little harness, some great, oh, some great bikinis. It's just, uh, that's all I want. it's really fun. It's on Criterion right now, but weirdly, I think they're rotating mm. all of her films off because maybe they were highlighting them for a few months. Okay. So it's around. I've seen it other places. Okay. That makes me think, should we on the show have, like, I'm trying to think what to call it, like, when things are dicey, like a dicometer? Like, yeah, oh, totally. where's this on the scale? You know what I mean? Like, this one wouldn't be too bad. Too bad, okay. Because she Cause has like, a couple from the 70s that are, like, 
oh, it's like fully like a like a sexual assault, and oh, that it's. But then the and movie's then it's really like, good. How are they like, handling it? And yeah. what's the awareness factor or the yeah. you know and the context so, factor? Yeah, and it's so, not treated very seriously. But yeah, then, I don't know. You know, you just gotta. People treat things differently depending on different social contexts and time periods and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the campiness one, sometimes too. It's like, oh, it's it's really bad, but it's so campy. Then yeah. we can like forgive it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this one's pretty campy. It's, yeah. I mean, it's a treat. It, it would be tragic to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. And just that's all I'm saying looks. with all this. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. At least get those stills. And you know? I mean, I don't. She's still with us. She's still living, and she's the cutest, tiniest, <sighs> yeah, lady in the world. No, totally. Some Currently. great glasses. I, every time yeah. I see her, she has some great eyeglasses yeah. on. All right. So for my last one, uh, it's. Ticket of No Return from 1979 by German director Ulrika Ottinger. Not sure I'm pronouncing that right, but uh, I got to see this at Church of Film here in Portland a while ago, and I knew right away I wanted to save it for our eventual fashion episode. Um, so that also means I might be, a, again, a little fuzzy on the details. Yep. So, <laughs> But it's a pretty simple uh, premise. Uh, a woman arrives in Berlin, rents a hotel room, dresses in some of the best outfits I've seen in cinema, honestly, wow. and drinks to excess uh, in these different various bars. But, like, it, it sounds weird, but in this kind of relatable way of drinking, not in, like, a whole, like, lost weekend, right. super sad, gut-wrenching, dramatic, alcoholic way, if that makes sense. Like, you know, I'm usually really against movies that, like, lean on alcoholism and drug um addiction is like a crutch for plot and motivation it's not that this is just like we've all been there you know like hey let's have a few you know it's sorry to make fun drinking um but uh it's probably a bit sadder than i'm willing to admit um Mm -hmm. but because i can't help but see a bit of my like the aspirations of my younger self that sort of romanticized kind of again like drinking and you know like i'm being so like you know when you're young and you're just like i don't know like Wait, what is she actually doing? Basically, she's just, literally, that's it. She's just wearing gorgeous outfits and drinking. That's it. That's the movie. Oh, oh, okay. So I'm not like, that's literally, that's why I'm really harping on it. (laughs) Okay. But I'm like, but it's like fun drinking. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But uh, as far as her outfits, okay, I believe the lead actor, uh, Tabia Blumenshine, um, also designed her costumes for the film. um, And they are just indescribably gorgeous. Um, and some of them are really ahead of their time. If it's 1979, they actually look very, like, I mean, you, I'm not super into, like, mid-80s outfits usually. But I'm just saying, but it still has that effect. Mm-hmm. These sort of, like, big shoulders and like, really bold mm-hmm. looks. So for 79, like, she's just wildly ahead of her time. Um, so I know we, or I at least, reference Aki Kurzmaki way too much as, like, a shorthand um, for the sort of, like, not much dialogue, not much plot, charming bit sad but nihilistic films but uh it is a bit of like aki with like a heavy splash of fassbender um but ottinger is like a breath of like fresh feminist lesbian air um in that sort of like male dominated uh nude german cinema world so it's like if you were like oh i don't know about fassbender i don't know if i want to you know yeah go there uh, then ottinger you still got the style um and it's it's sort of experimental. Like, a lot of her films are kind of experimental. But these are the kind that I can fully get behind. Um, like, again, just, just eye candy. Um, so her films are a little hard to track down. But um, I believe they are on the, my mystery side. <laughs> Sorry. No, okay, I will. Next episode, I won't be 
such a weirdo about it. So basically, Once you've watched all the movies you want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just DM me if you, uh, you know, want a link or something. But yeah, if you're looking for some wild style inspiration, um, I mean, at the very least, look up these film stills because it's yeah, just, totally. just too gorgeous. But yeah. Cool. So my last one is my 90s pick. So it's Shallow Grave from 1994, directed Ooh. by Danny Boyle. So pre-train spotting, pairing with <laughs> Ewan McGregor, <laughs> and then Carrie Fox is also in it. Who I'm actually not sure if she's Australian or from New Zealand, but she was in Angel at My Table by Jane Campion, <laughs> and Last Days of Shea New by Jillian Armstrong, and then uh, Christopher Eccleston. Eccleston is in it as well. He's in just like a ton of shit. If you look mm. him up on IMDb, you'll be like, oh, I've oh. seen this guy in anything. Mm-hmm. So basically there are three 90s Gen Xers with a bit of money in that kind of 90s professional way. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's a journalist, one's a doctor, and one works at like a stuffy bank mm-hmm. in Glasgow, I think, mm-hmm. in the 90s beautiful apartment one of those mm-hmm. apartments that you just like couldn't find in any goddamn <laughs> yeah. city in, the, yeah, in yeah. 2020 huge vintage beautiful bedrooms bright mm-hmm. yeah. um in this old building with these gorgeous staircases sparsely decorated kind of warm tones it's mm-hmm. not like now and everybody's got this fucking white and yeah like two plants it's like no <laughs> you know turquoise walls instead of homey mm-hmm. and oh there's a kitchen with pepper grinders and stuff like that <laughs> so they're living in this big apartment there's three of them they're looking for a fourth roommate the opening sequence is just them being honestly terrible people to a bunch <laughs> of people interviewing for mm-hmm. the extra room and they finally come across a guy who seems pretty cool and he charms carrie fox being like oh i'm a writer i've got a cool leather jacket yeah. i want the human condition and it turns out he's just a criminal with a suitcase full of cash and it's the 90s glasgow so he also dies of a heroin overdose pretty much immediately yep. and then the roommates have to decide what to do with his body and the cash because they find the cash right away yeah. and these people aren't they're not necessarily the most moral people so uh you just go on an adventure with them yep. while they decide to have their way yeah, with yeah. things and yeah it's just it's a fun black comedy kind of a i mean i don't want to say thriller but if you find a suitcase full of cash that someone has clearly showed up with, I can't say I'm a risk averse person. I can't say I'd, my first thought would be like, uh oh, who is looking for this suitcase yeah, yeah. full of cash? Yeah, yeah. And then just the way people turn on each other. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun, but it's also, you know, you got your high waisted Levi's that are kind of loose and mm-hmm. big sweaters with, mm-hmm. you know, very grandma sweaters, honestly, oh, yeah. that yeah. on a woman, um, great sort of almost unisex haircuts that are a little longer mm-hmm. and kind like of that a, early 90s um oh go ahead i was just gonna say and like a striped t-shirt that's like maybe two sizes too big like tucked into oh, those yeah. high-waisted baggy Absolutely. kind of levi's okay, that's all and with the sweater on top and then sort yeah. of you know the the lawyer or no he's not a lawyer he's um he's an accountant sorry okay. he's an accountant it's been a while since i've seen this yeah. uh has that very 90s yuppie button down mm-hmm. style very Whit Stillman looking yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's fun seeing them you know go a little hog wild <laughs> spend a bunch of money and go I mean for lack of a better word go nuts yeah, yeah, like, yeah. worrying <laughs> yeah. about each other yeah so it's a very 90s movie and I yeah. appreciate it because it really immerses you in that Versus you in that time. Yeah. 1994. Just a huge <laughs> yeah. apartment. So yeah, you just yeah. 
pull on that big sweater. Yeah. People had jobs. What's that yeah, like? Yeah, I know. <laughs> no gig economy shit. Eating <laughs> pasta. No problems. Just mm. big plates of pasta. We can have gluten. Yeah, we, can have, we can have carbs, gluten. It's and just, just, we have so many jobs. Delicious. And, and then there's just all kinds of low-level criminals just yeah. in the mix. Uh, so I hadn't seen this before this year. And honestly, it was like so fun. I'm just mm-hmm. into... I'm always searching that high... And I actually think I hit it with these three movies of a movie that's not a significant film. Yeah, it's yeah. just a fun movie that was pleasurable to watch mm-hmm. and just something different. Like, that's just gave me a little something different. And that's what I'm looking for. I do think I was telling my coworker earlier, uh, by the time I talk about any of these movies, I've already, like, talked to people about them because I... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I was telling my coworker earlier that if you like the frenetic energy of train spotting, but you don't like the gross-out stuff, this might yeah. be a good no. option because it's still kind of got that tone. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a great. There's a great uh, scene at sort of a charity event during a dance that's kind of got like a, like a sexy moment between like a yeah. really really brief sexy moment between yeah, McGregor yeah. and Carrie Fox. And I was like, oh, that's that'll be the still probably that I post. Mm, <laughs> I love it. Okay, we are going to build a pitch, a good one this time. Positive pitch. Yes, this is meant to be a good one. And it's a game we play where we each bring elements unknown to one another and pitch something on the spot. And do we have a yeah? Title? So um, this one's actually relevant to my idea and to our entire theme. So the title that I've usurped <laughs> uh, that I thought was interesting is Too Beautiful to Die. Um, it's a late Jalo movie set in the modeling world. Um, it's from 1988. Um, has a lot of stylish facets. I don't know if I'd recommend it because it's got a whole like Me Too horror plot Uh-oh. line which I'm not into. So like I watched it think, like because the still, basically yeah. the still on movie was so gorgeous. I was like, oh my god, what is this? Um, so I watched it a while back. Don't say I'd recommend it, but Too Beautiful to Die just sounded really, yeah. In, you know, anyway. Um, sounded prescient to my theme, which is a horror movie set in the fashion world. Mm, I mean, easy peasy yeah. right there, you know. Uh, so we got maybe like runway models are being murdered one by one in like the week leading up to a big New York or it could be Paris or whatever. Let's just say New York fashion show. So one of my favorite movie subgenres I may mention before is like, and this is like an Instagram, another Instagram I wish existed, how these sort of like art world fashion people like at events like say there's like a gallery opening or fashion show like how like these how movies portray these types of people like at events like with crazy wild fashion like i don't it doesn't happen a lot it gets in movies but when it happens i'm like oh yes thank you like these are just sort of like crazy characters with these outrageous outfits so there'd be a lot of that a lot mm-hmm. of like openings and events and just like wild sub you know like characters on the sidelines so basically, it'd be like a better, more jello version of like Velvet Buzzsaw. I don't know if you ever saw that mm-hmm. on Netflix. No. It doesn't matter. It was a, like a dumb movie, but it was like where like the art is killing people in these different ways, which is it's like it should have been more fun than it was. But um, <laughs> but this would actually have like a killer. Um, I'm not sure what, like the point would be who the killer would be, but but this is the world we're talking about, and uh, I'm trying to th- I, I'm mostly trying to think of like outrageous ways people could die. Which we can get to, but actor-wise, I think the lead needs to, like the lead, like main model, maybe sort of like the 
audience surrogate or the lead of this would need to be like a newcomer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not sure about that uh, lead, but I would love to see Rossi De Palma of like a motivar fame um as definitely as one of those like i said like on the sides like these openings like wearing outrageous stuff um yeah i would just like to see her in the mix um not necessarily as the lead but not just the sort lead of... she could be sort of like she could be one of the designers or she yeah. could be maybe i could see her like a fashion editor or something yeah, totally um so i just want to see her wearing outrageous outfits i'm not sure if she still does films i haven't really looked at her uh, maybe yeah, in a while yeah. but you know yeah yeah um come out of retirement if she's yeah if she yeah. is so i don't know do you have any yeah. certain... Um... I just had an actor, uh, which I think tangentially could fit on could the episode <laughs> theme because he was in that Altman um, Pret-a-Porter, like the Ready to Wear oh, yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Rupert Everett. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, like, where's, where's he, he been? been? Exactly. <laughs> right? I, I looked like be the... frankly, doing like voice work for like Puss in Boots 3 or whatever. Oh. So. <laughs> So maybe let's rescue him, and yeah. he could. I feel like he'd be great in a movie like this as like, a designer, right? Yeah, as I mean, as an designer, just designer that gets murdered like really ceremoniously. Yeah, I feel like he would be a good an mm-hmm. asshole designer that gets mm-hmm. murdered, and maybe is one of sort of climactic murders that help oh, yeah. you figure out who exactly is doing it. Or he gets like shot at the end of the at the end of the runway when the designer comes out and <gasps> does the bow. Maybe he like. They everyone thinks it's like oh it's part of the show like either he gets like oh yeah. shot or he's stabbed or something something's happening where they're Brandon oh, Lee <gasps> style right like yeah. oh my god exactly and everyone's like clapping oh it's wonderful mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and then he's like no it's not part of the show and he always does this yeah. you know um, or like he's sort of like an Alexander McQueen type designer where yeah it's like kind of the, and yeah it's like and they're like oh my god it's genius, genius. yeah and he's like no then he's like dead save me yeah exactly yeah. yeah like i said i'm trying to think of like really outrageous deaths i mean obviously the first thing i'm like scissors because like cutting fabric yeah. Oh, yeah i'm trying to think i mean definitely anything you get like wrapped up and like uh with like fabric like around there were some neck. crazy murders is it opera the argento movie yeah where people I can, kind I of have some clothes mm-hmm. sort of related yeah. deaths i feel like my and first thought yeah. was in <laughs> this is dumb. In Beetlejuice, where um, that has outrageous, that has some great outrageous art world characters. By the way, that's definitely one of the. the but where what's her name? Catherine O'Hara. Catherine when, O'Hara. Oh, the mom is like, "This is my art, and it's dangerous." Yeah, yeah. No, totally. totally. Just exactly. Like, oh, like getting pinned by some large sculpture. Yeah. Um, so maybe the like the murder or the yeah, the actual murder is real to be like a model that's like, this is what you get for putting me in all these like ooh, tight clothes. Like, I like some that. sort of like kind of maybe some sort of body shaming sort of yeah. like aspect of like, okay, like I mean yeah. not to like really shoehorn in body positivity, but I think it could be a part yeah, of it. it could be you know? Fun. I don't know. I just think that would be fun. That's pretty much what I want to watch. Yeah, <laughs> Every it time does I'm sound, like, why can't I find ooh, can't uh, be. yeah. A movie, it's a horror movie set in the fashion world. I mean, I'm sure there's some Jala movies out there that reference this. And if you know them, DM us. I mean, I think that's what Strickland was trying to do with it. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe oh, oh, maybe yeah. you finish it and you let me know. Maybe that's what, what it is. And but we... it's, more like clo- it's more like department stores. stores. It's yeah. not really the fashion world. Yeah. I think you're right. The world is crying out for sort right. of high fashion. Because so much of that is so punishing, right? Because yes, it's very exactly. punishing of women's bodies. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like giant bodies. high heels. Like, yeah. maybe someone just falls off their high heels and dies. I don't know. I mean, or getting killed with a stiletto. Ooh, with with <gasps> The stiletto that has, like, a knife Ooh, edge is, like, the heel. Yeah. That's the poster. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
All right, so it's our radar section, things we've been watching or are trying to warn you against um, or things we are looking forward to. So I don't know, what, what do you get? Uh, I'll just talk about a couple things because I have their titles written down and I don't <laughs> want to open my letterboxed. Uh, so the first one, they're just a couple. Well, one was a treat and one was a real I'm warning you against yes, it. So okay. I've got a thumbs hey, up and a thumbs that's down. That's as important, you yeah. know. So <laughs> thumbs up to Terror Train from 1980, the Jamie Ooh. Lee Curtis. Okay. Yeah, I've seen this. so fun. Yeah. So fun. And I don't understand why Terror Train isn't i feel like it's just as good as those other 80s slasher i mean literally just as good as like friday the 13th or halloween it just didn't become a franchise Mm -hmm. because how could it really okay so the basic (laughs) premise is that how do i put this a bunch of pre-med students in a fraternity decide to rent um a party train? I mean, literally, <laughs> you, know. Like, you know, there's like a dinner train and you go yeah. on a little route. It's just that, except they're, seven, you know, 1980s. So it's like late 70s yeah. partiers in a New Year's costume party. And they're going on this like special chartered train. Instead of a party bus, it's a party yeah, train. Yeah, but it's okay. a party train, which I'm like, can you still do that? What's going I mean, on? Could okay. you ever? Who's to say? But uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is one of the students, the most famous person on the train. And little do they know that someone, a murderer, is on board and has a real agenda of vengeance that they would like to exact on all of these stupid frat kids. Dumb teens. And they're going to pick them off one by one. So it's really fun. Very 70s. And I have to tell you, the funniest part of all of this is that a pretty, pretty sizable role Pretty sizable supporting role is allotted to one D- young David Copperfield, the what? magician. And the, probably the what some may consider the weakest parts of the plot, although I enjoyed them very much, are the entire interludes dedicated to David Copperfield just doing magic tricks. Okay, I have not seen this. I, I was, I don't know what I'm thinking of, but it's not this. Yeah, okay. there's whole things where they're like, yep, the entertainment that we booked for the for the train on top of this whole band is this disco uh, magician who's <laughs> yeah. going to do his card tricks and do his whole thing. And the funniest yeah. part is that I don't know how famous he was at the time. Probably not. He's pretty young yeah. at, in this. Uh, but he definitely wrote into his contract that everyone has to think he's a real cool dude. And oh Jamie God. Lee's character has to be like, ooh, who's this sexy magician? It's <laughs> so funny. And like I said, there's whole things where it's just his entire trick. So it's, I mean, I'm not going to turn down a magic trick. <laughs> and it actually led Joel and I to watch this video on YouTube. Because Joel was like, oh, do you remember... And he, like the TV special that David Copperfield did where he did this magic trick, like this TV trick where you put your hand on this particular part of the what? screen and then he guessed where it would end up. It was it was real what? fun. I recommend it. I'll link to okay, it. Okay, link to that. Just <laughs> access that part of our brains. It was a real, it was a real it, fun time. It sounds like a How Did This Get Made movie. Um, just I mean, as you're describing it, it. Kind of. I don't know if they've covered it or not. I I actually hadn't heard of it before, but I haven't yeah. listened to like all of. Yeah, How no, I'm I'm a um, yeah avid listener to that. Okay, and I so haven't. you haven't. Yeah, so you know, it's, it's it might be coming up though. <laughs> uh, it's pretty fun. Yeah, uh, but it's almost it's actually like I said, except for the magic, like it's too good. 
Like it's it's just as good as a lot of those other movies, except for the magic. I would yeah. argue, uh, but I am not um, a horror snob, so who knows? Yeah. So thumbs down mm-hmm. to I bet you've seen this movie too. To be honest, <laughs> oh my, what is it? It's called The Comfort of Strangers from 1992. Oh shit! Speaking of Rupert Everett, um, yes, James and I were just yes. reassessing our thoughts on that. We we saw it a few years ago. Okay, so that's, tell me everything. So that's okay. why I picked him it's, as my actor, and it's him and Natasha Richardson, mm-hmm. and it's a Paul Schrader movie. The screenplay is by Harold Pinter, based on an Ian McEwan novel, but <laughs> it is just a hot mess. Oh, yeah. because. Just to be clear, uh, Richardson and Everett are this couple, and they're in Italy. And I will say, gorgeous outfits, mm-hmm. gorgeous interiors. Mm-hmm. But they're trying to, like, you know, have this romantic weekend. And then they meet this couple <laughs> played by Christopher Walken yeah. and Helen Mirren, I think. Some other the person, wife. I can't remember, yeah. And Christopher Walken is, like, at, like maximum Christopher Walken. Like, yeah, dialed up to 11, mm-hmm. where you're like, is this, um, what's that, his bit on SNL, is it the Continental? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, he's yeah, he's wearing like a linen suit or yeah, something like, like, yeah. Being like, my father, he was a real man's man. <laughs> he used to beat me and hide me in the... Cl-. It's just, it's yeah. so... It's like... It's you, wild. We kept watching it because of how bad he was and how ridiculous yeah. he was. But the movie is just a mess of these people meeting this couple and having this whole thing. And it's mm-hmm. actually alternately boring and it's, confusing. I know. It's very confounding because it's so wild, but then boring. Yes. And there'll be some gorgeous shots yes. and gorgeous outfits. But then you're like, I don't care about this. It's, a, it's very it's, strange. You don't know how to feel. Because you're like, I think I hate it but also there's I a lot of interesting thing yeah it's it's very yeah so if you're into these real weird yeah. this weird nexus of movies like that it's, then go for it it's but like, it's I wouldn't recommend I wouldn't it. recommend it it's bad and yeah. you're like what are what is Christopher Walken literally doing yeah they're just like go to town do do yeah. you be your most he's like oh is the camera rolling I was just being me <laughs> yeah but it's um it's fun I guess but also, I was really annoyed at the end because it made no sense. So enter at your own risk if you dare. I'm definitely not recommending it. But yeah. it's funny to see him. It's really just for his lines, which are so silly. Yeah, definitely. That's it. I know some people are drawn to those. And I guess I'm like that. We're like, oh, someone's like, oh, you shouldn't watch it. It's crazy. I'm like, well, let me just check it out for myself. So I feel like we're just really enticing people. Yeah, I yeah, know. Anyway. it's not... I, it's not like in the where I'm like I do want people to watch the baby. That's oh yeah, one. that I, is that's fucking wild crazy. And it's up. Yeah, this one is just kind of stupid but confusing. So yeah, maybe you if you also enjoy watching with your partner and then talking about how yeah, weird it's and definitely a conversation starter. <laughs> I guess yeah, yeah. Well, kind of on that. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it a sexy thriller, but kind of in that <laughs> realm. But this is a thumbs up for sure. I think I think all of mine are, are thumbs up. Um, I watched James and I watched this incredible uh, sexy thriller called Malice from 1993, starring Nicole Kidman, Alec Baldwin, and Bill Pullman, I believe, um, with a script co-written by Aaron Sorkin, which I'm not like a Sorkin head, but you <laughs> yeah. know, someone that vaguely competent. Knows it. Yes, competent. Um, so I physically can't believe I. Never seen nor heard of this because it is the platonic ideal of a sexy 90s thriller. I don't want to go into it too much. Yeah, so just watch it. It's real good. <laughs> I can't remember. We just found it like somewhere online, whatever, but Malice. Malice. Check it out. I swear because I'm always, that is like every time we're like, hey, let's watch a movie. Like, what should we watch? We're always like, 
you know, like a, like a 90s, like a sexy 90s thriller. Yeah. And like, we're like, we've run out of them. That's why I was like, yeah. I cannot believe not only that we found one, but that it's like the ideal yeah. delicious. It's Ooh. delicious. I'll just say that it's just, yeah, it's great. So I um, also, as I was kind of watching sort of fashionable things, um, I watched Seven Women, Seven Sins, a 1986 omnibus with women directors directing a short vignette, each inspired by one of the seven deadly sins. And so the highlights were the ones by Betty Gordon, um, Ulrika Ottinger, which I mentioned earlier, Mm, and Chantal Ackerman. She did one on Sloth that was so great because it was literally just her being like, all right, I guess I have to make a film. And she's like, maybe I'll just, you know, make some coffee or whatever. It's like having like a lazy day. It's it's really great. Wow. Um, so, yeah, not all of them. It's like any omnibus. Some of them are real clunkers, but there's some really fun ones. So it's available on the mystery site. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm being so annoying. And if you just want more, maybe it's just an enormous long list of all the films that I find most inspiring and stylish. Um, in regards to, like, fashion, art, interiors, art direction, um, I'm going to include a link in the show notes to a movie list that I have been working on for literally 10 years, as long as I've been on movie. Whoa. Um, that it's, it's like my pride and joy. It's like the thing you would save in a fire, except it's online, so I don't have to save it from a fire. <laughs> but I'm just saying, as far as, like, it's my life. If movie goes it's, down, it's, Yeah, if movie goes down, know. then I'm screwed. Well, thanks for joining us. You can see some of the outfits that we were talking about in this episode by following our Instagram at Storyboard Podcast or Twitter at Storyboard underscore pod. Or you can just email us uh, storyboardpod at gmail.com. Why is this so hard for us? Well, there's everything's a different everything's thing. Everything's different, you know? yeah. Come on. Uh, you can email us as well to be like, I am too good for social platforms. Please email me these images directly and we can airdrop them to you. Who knows? Yeah. All the links to things we talk about and uh, the very large list of fashion movies that (laughs) Lars has. uh, My tome. Will be in the episode notes. Till next time.